Hello everyone, welcome to Frame Trap. I'm your host, Ben Moore. Today, I'm joined by these lovely, lovely, lovely human beings. Huber's playing with that Pokeball it's over there. So awesome. That's Michael Huber on the end. Hello. Daniel Blowworth in the middle. Mm-hmm. And Kyle Bossman right next to me. Hi! Ooh, I like that. Uh, so, you know, we always start the show with what you've been playing, but I'm, I have a question for all of you that we're going to do real quick before we get into the games. That was for the Jolly Weekend. And, uh, you know, celebrating independence. It's a good time. You got cookouts, you got fireworks, you got all that stuff. So I want to know uh, what you guys did, if you did anything at all for your 4th of July weekend. Michael Huber, I'm going to start with you. Yes. I saw two movies. Ooh. Nice. Saw Independence Day with my brother and my brother alone because we used to have a disc with like song, like an MP3. Remember illegal downloads? He used to put just a bunch of random songs on a disc. I haven't done that in a while. But I, we would have uh, Bill Pullman's speech on a disc, and we would drive around and just blast his speech because we were so obsessed with that movie. Uh, and then we saw it, and it was all right. I, Dude, before we get into Independence Day Resurgence, sorry, what were you going to say? I know, but that's, that just reminded me of like... Those two things put together, it just reminds me of like old school industrial music with like all the Blade Runner samples sure. and stuff. <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, is your brother a lot like you? Is he like as excitable and like energetic and physical as you are? Sometimes, rarely. Okay. But when he is, it is similar. Whose idea was rare. driving around with a speech blasting? It was me. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also used to drive around blasting God of War, the soundtrack. Hubert, Independence Day was one of those movies. I, I've actually never seen Independence Day, which I know is crazy, mm. uh, but... I, from my understanding, Independence is one of those days. Independence Day is one of those movies that was kind of a product of its time. It is, yeah. And it, uh, when they announced that they were making a sequel, mm-hmm. it felt really weird. Yeah. And I just couldn't, I didn't understand why or if they'd be able to recapture that same sort of magic. Yeah. And it, uh, based on your expression, it doesn't seem like they did. Yeah. It was cool because a lot of the cast returned and Roland Emmerich returned to direct. So, like, it felt like part of the original in that sense it wasn't there wasn't a huge disconnect but uh it just wasn't uh, fun how did the humans win you want me to spoil it yeah <laughs> uh give me a hint man because i just don't get it i don't how? yeah it is the, weird. so think think movies nowadays yeah. think franchise how would you make this last like 10 more movies gotcha multiple alien races a third party. Multiple parties. Ooh, Which nice. is a great idea, yeah. but it just didn't have the payoff. For Dang. Me. Yeah. Okay. It was not terrible. It was all right. That is one of my, like, when they pull that card with yeah. the terms of antagonist, they, yeah. they do it in Mass Effect, they do it in a bunch of anime, they do it in a lot of things, yeah. where they spend hours and hours and hours and hours building up this one force and then at like the very end they're like actually there's a force beyond that oh i don't know so it set it up for later the like sentient ai thing basically like gave him advice on like how to win and so cool what was the other movie the purge election year are any of those movies good yes okay so good the same dude writes and directs all three of them uh, and they've only gotten better. Two is better than one, three is better than two. Uh, and this one works so well because it is a cause you can get behind. It's characters that you actually root for. Why? 
So the other ones are about like violence and killing. This one is about the uh, Juliet from Lost. I forget her name in real life. Uh, she's running for president and she was a victim of the purge in the past mm-hmm. and she wants to stop it. She's like, when I get elected, I'm going to stop it. And the people in power are like, no, 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 no. We got to keep the status quo. We got to eliminate her so we can keep the purge. So on purge night, they sent a team of assassins to go kill her. And the hero from two is like her bodyguard. And then, you know, they get, they get in it and they meet some other people along the way that are really, really cool. Like just a great ragtag cast of characters surviving purge night. That, that sounds awesome because what I was worried about is, you know, that the idea of the purge, the, that one night where it's totally okay mm-hmm. to kill. Yeah. Doing three movies of that where you go yeah. through that night again and again, yeah. it seemed like it could feel totally. a little bit. Because the first one is just in the house. Right. And the second one, obviously, like, okay, let's go out into the street, out into the chaos. And this one was similar to two, but again, it was like that mission. It's about consequences. It is. So here's the thing, Hubert, <clears throat> is you just talked about Aliens and the Independence Day and how to make that a franchise. Yeah. I had to assume she is not successful in ending the purge. I don't want to spoil. I'm not going to spoil the purge. The, yeah. spur, the purge Bell is sacred. keeps okay. wanting to yeah. do these spoilers. <laughs> these recently released movies. It's going to be spoiled because it's it's throwaway. You'll watch it on like HBO one night. Yeah, I doubt I will ever watch it. Yeah. but purge purge rules. So, yeah, nobody nobody's making a Star Fox level out of this <laughs> Independence Day. No, <laughs> that'd be sick though. Uh, Daniel Bloodworth, how was your fourth man? Uh, it's good. It's simple um i uh went went down uh to a friend's place in whittier and we had some uh some barbecue and we get up on the roof and just that neighborhood man is just like everywhere just fireworks just street away big booms and all that so nice. not quite as big as you would get in like a professional show but pretty close nice how were the fireworks? Because I've seen I've seen good fireworks shows. I've seen bad fireworks. Shows. It wasn't a show. It was just the neighborhood. It was all, all right. illegal. It was just- oh, <laughs> I see. So there wasn't. It was just people popping off. Just popping them. off oh, in every direction for better. two hours, three hours. Okay. Even better. Yeah. Did you ever feel in danger? No. Okay. That's Although so I've heard that, like in the past, like in that house, like there have been like trees lit on fire or whatever. But oh, jeez. Ben, you will really appreciate the story. When my brother went to Japan for like. Uh, student exchange program his host mother uh gave him bottle rockets Mm. to bring back because they're really really hard to find in america they're like straight up illegal and she packed them as a gift to give him plausible deniability like oh it was a gift i didn't know what it was Mm. so she helped him smuggle bottle rockets even though he knew what was in there yeah that's very smart (laughs) Um, that's pretty cool well, what, oh, one thing that was actually kind of weird, um, we saw these these uh, these lights floating by, and, and, and at first we weren't sure what they were. Like when it was a little bit light out, like we just like kind of saw this dark thing and this light under, and it's like is that that somebody flying a drone around? I'm like, I don't know. And, and there were like planes that were like doing circles, like we would see the same plane over and over again. Um, but uh, then later on, we saw like a formation of these lights, or like four or five of them, and just like coming up like this and then we'd see them all come up and they would always kind of disappear and like the only thing i can think of is that they were probably like those uh like those chinese style lanterns mm-hmm. you know we just like light them and they just float away i thought you were gonna go like small soldiers with that like they were still sort of shooting fireworks <laughs> no i mean but it is it is, it is one of those things where like yeah it's 
It's an unidentified flying object, for sure. It was like, we're guessing what it is, but... I heard that a bunch of people uh, were taking drones and just, like, getting up in fireworks and, like, recording them and stuff. Like, that was a big thing this year. Whoa. Which I was uh, surprised to hear. I've seen it. John Finger probably showed me some videos of that. Cool. Yeah. Uh, well, that seems like a John Finger. Another, another, <laughs> thing, another thing that was really funny, uh, there was, uh, like, a police helicopter that went over, and it was, like, a wave of, like... Quiet, 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 quiet. Okay, pop, pop. <laughs> like after the chopper passed. <laughs> Have any of you actually been hit by a firework? Like, did it, did any of your friends burn you in any bad way? I had a really close call once. Oh, well, I almost uh, got hit by a rocket candle. Not that I think of. Like maybe like the little, like the little rockets or whatever that would, people would shoot at each other, sure. but not in any way that was like harmful. He, your friend pointed the Roman candle at you. No. I just didn't know he was firing off a Roman candle, and he, like, put it into his gut, and I, like, walked by, and it went, like, it zipped right by my head. Like, I was inches away from my face. Burning through your face. Yeah, very yeah. close to that, so. Take an eye out. <laughs> just sticking it to his gut is very yeah. funny. Yeah. 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 Well, I, it was, like, a thing. People love shooting Roman candles, like, like some sort of gun. Like, they don't yeah. put it on the ground and you then light a lot of times. They just like hold it yep. out and they're like, let's go. Well, I mean, that's the problem is that it's cool. Yeah, it it's right. Cool. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Your friend wasn't wrong. Right. It's just very dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It was a close call. I think we were camping. Anyway, uh, Kyle Bossman, what did you do for the fourth? I did nothing. Uh, I have no family in LA. I don't really like to do things. Uh, I don't you didn't quite do nothing. Care, don't, don't care much for fireworks. I streamed at night. Yeah. That's cool. You did Gun Game Monday. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yeah. All right, cool. Fourth of July. Uh, Kyle, don't feel bad. I didn't do anything either. Uh, Abby was out of town. I don't know the area that well. Like, I didn't even know where fireworks shows were happening. Not that it would have been hard to find out, but I didn't care enough to find out. Um, and so I just watched a lot of JoJo, which nice. is fun. Oh, um, yeah, that's good. I'm at Stardust Crusaders now, which is cool. It's a good show. Uh, let's get into it. Let's do the reverse order. Okay. What have I played? Cause, yeah, because you didn't you didn't really have a fourth, so I, let's dig into what you've been playing. Okay, heavy. Uh, still been playing Dark Souls, but we don't need to talk about it too much. I'm getting okay. deep. I'm almost there. Okay. Uh, uh, you know what I'd like to talk about is yeah. no way. How far are you, Kyle? What boss? Uh, I've I've dropped ashes on four of the five chairs. Nice. Okay. So I'm on that last deep. chair. Deep. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, How are you? Do you like it? Oh, big time. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Trials of the Blood Dragon is what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> yeah, hit wow. me. So this was a game that was announced and released the day of the Ubisoft press conference. I downloaded it, I think, the next night, just simply out of that, I think, mm-hmm. out of that excitement. Uh, it's weird, man. It's like, um, it's it's not very good, but I like it. Sure. Uh, there are definite, like, just, you're being a bad game right now, issues <laughs> with it. Yeah. Uh, and... I mean, the last level of this game is a super long, just dirt bike level. Yep. Where it's like, oh, you know what's good. You know what a good level is like, and you just didn't do this. And, like, you have to forgive the game for it, for also being a jetpack game and a running around game and a RC car game. So, it, it seems like you... I'm very thankful that you're saying this, because Brandon and I think Don had very different impressions. Anytime it wasn't a dirt bike game, I was having way less fun, and I just wish they would have made a straight-up straight Trials game with that style and with some of the ideas that they Yeah, had. it's still fun to use your gun while you're on the dirt bike. That yeah. works. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And they could have done more of that, because you really don't shoot on the dirt bike very often. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bomb mission drove me up a wall. 
Oh, uh, you have a bomb on a cart behind oh, you. Oh, no. Oh, I think they've had stuff like that before. It just takes very yeah. particular uh, speed and physics and leanings, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's so weird. I mean, I played the whole thing. You know, if it was a game I hated, I would have given up on it, but I stuck with it and still wanted to see where it goes because it changes enough. And uh, yeah, it was fun. It was just what a cool thing. What a cool thing to drop during E3. Uh, the lore is okay. The voice acting is not. Um, point, yeah. I mean, there's a point where you can say this voice acting is intentionally bad, but it's like not on. It's uniquely bad. It's not bad in the same way that the shows you're making fun of are bad so it's like trying to be intentionally bad but is not accomplishing what it's going after right it's okay. not that type of bad okay yeah it's gotcha. not the way that 80s movies were bad at voice acting it's not like that it's simply i don't know you got two kids who kind of phoned it in yeah do you do you think we've kind of reached a, a saturation point with that sort of 80s throwback sort of style because I, we've been I seeing don't want to see any more trailers with like the cassette tape effect yeah. That's that's just been worn out now. I think they were trying to push this one forward. Like, the loading screen is a disc. It's definitely trying to be more 90s than 80s. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't it doesn't feel perfect. It doesn't feel like, oh, this is on point. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's all over the place, which is the point, which is what it was trying to do. It's fun. It's a dumb, fun game. Uh, two quick things. Do you think the 90s is sort of the next thing? Like, in a few years, we'll see a bunch of games that call back to that specific period a little bit more heavily than, than we're seeing with the 80s right now? Yeah, I mean, no. Uh, for mining comedy, I think early 2000s is where we go. Early mm. internet might be the funny place to go. But uh, 90s is tough. 90s has an identity in the beginning where it's like, oh, Fresh Prince. And where the, where the 90s ends with Friends being the most popular show on TV is just so different. Sure. 90s is really hard to knock down. I only think of Streets of Rage when I think of the 90s. Yeah, that's way early 90s, dude. <laughs> yeah. That's like the first two years of the yeah, 90s. Yeah. And so, you know, 90s are all over the place. It's funny that you mentioned Streets of Rage because that totally is a very 90s game, but it doesn't... It, like, it still holds up. It still feels really, really, really well made despite, like, its stylistic choices. It doesn't... I don't know. It doesn't feel old the way some of those other early 90s games feel old. It doesn't have, like... The skateboard kid with the colored wheels and the backwards hat. Or, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the other thing, too, Skate. is, like, when you think about in terms of games and those callbacks, you know, like, you have Atari and the 8-bits, and so, like, that that pixelized kind of look, like, it's very iconic. Whereas the 90s, is like, okay, you go from 16-bit to, like, the chunky polygons of the PlayStation N64 to the Dreamcast, and it's just, like, you know, like, it's just such a widespread of different looks and feels. I do think we are starting to get into some of that like early polygonal nostalgia stuff. Like there, oh, yeah. there are some PC games that are coming out that that pretty much look identical to Quake, um, and I think that's interesting. Like I, I think there's a lot of room for creativity there because like I love eight bit and sixteen bit graphics, but I just like it's just not special anymore. Whereas you, there was a point in time, you know five, six, seven years ago where somebody would announce an eight or 16-bit game and there was some appeal to that. There was some novelty to that. That's just oh, not there. What was that game I previewed where you're like hopping through different eras of games? Oh. Um, Ooh. Oh, you guys remember that? It's a first-person yeah, shooter. Oh, oh you go like yes. Bedlam. Yes, bedlam. yes, yes. Well yeah. done. Good pull, nice. boys. There's, there's two different Bedlams, though. There's that Bedlam and then there's the Skyshine yeah. Bedlam, which is kind of like Banner Saga and the Apocalypse, but yeah. It's funny to bring up, uh, low poly is great, where it's it's almost like uh, 
pixel art attached to poly, low polygons. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't think there will ever be a nostalgic PS2 look. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you could nail down there. I don't know if there will ever be like a, look how retro this game looks. Right. Well, yeah. the Carmageddon game. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> <laughs> but that just looked like a bad game. Yeah. That's a really interesting question. Yeah, it's really interesting, huh? Because there there are a lot of like JRPGs that I can name from the PS2 that are because they can't. A have lot of Nintendo. JRPGs that still look like PS2. Games. That's true. That's also true. <laughs> uh, but there are a lot of PS2 JRPGs that like are trying to go for an anime look, but the tech isn't there to do it as well as they could do it with like an Ultimate Ninja Storm or something like that. And it's like this weird flat face kind of look yeah. that I think maybe you could chase after, but that's an interesting thing to think about. Uh, besides Trials of the Blood Dragon, anything else? I played uh, through Kirby Planet Robo-Bobot. I've been meaning Robobot. to play it. How is Robobot. it? Robobot. Robobot. Uh, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's definitely a filler sequel. It's another mm. we need something more on 3DS right now. Okay. Uh, it's a lot of repeat from the last game. Mm. Uh, so it feels like an expansion pack to uh, Triple Deluxe more than anything. But it's... It's great. I mean, it's another whole game. It's another whole exact number of levels. I love it. I love the design of Kirby games. I love mm-hmm. them so much. Uh, just the way that puzzles feel good to solve. And I don't know, it's got a consistent world. I would totally dig them. Uh, but at the same time, it's less of a complete game than Triple Deluxe was. Mm. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? So Triple, Triple Deluxe does some really weird, cool stuff with new abilities. Mm-hmm. Basically, when you... Pa- suck up ability you have like eight different moves and it's like six of them unique uh they don't all get their justice in this game it's kind of just they're tossed into levels willy-nilly just to exist just to because we already had those from the last game mm. so if you're thinking about skipping our planet robobot don't uh play through triple deluxe first that's a, that's a complete game that's a, a meaty one when you finish it though you get to play through the entire game again as meta knight which is kind of sick mm. yeah. does, does he control Completely like, different. Completely different. Nice. nice. Yeah. 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 It's actually very, very cool. Uh, one burning question: How is the mech stuff? You know that that seems like the hook in in Robobot. It's good. It's always uh, particular areas. I see. You never finish a level with your mech suit and then start it with again. You know, it's just okay. always like you can use the mech suit between here and here. My favorite part is you unlock stickers in the game and you attach the stickers to either shoulder of the mech suit. Oh, nice! So you can you can customize it. A you little can bit. customize oh, okay. your mech. What did you put on your mech? Um, there was one that was like a poorly drawn Kirby that stuck around for a while, just like a sloppy little Kirby drawing. There was a DD one that had his DDD face in a gear. I put that one on. Uh, a really cool uh, like comic book shading of Wispy Woods. Mm. I liked that one a lot. And there's this cool art. There's cool. lots of cool stuff. Words. I would like a, a forty dollar King DDD game. Like like Gargoyle's oh. Quest style, mm-hmm. I think I I don't know I think DDD is a strong enough character that he could support it. He was the unlockable playable character in Triple Deluxe. Right. Yeah. Right. But I mean like just like own story entirely. Yeah, but yeah. since it's Nintendo, it'll be called like DDD Collect the Stickers. <laughs> Wait, what? What point was that? Like, what is with the stickers? Oh. You're telling me about stickers in I this game. Stickers, stickers oh. Paper Mario. Stickers. Well, no, these, are cool. these are cool stickers. Stickers the, in Mario Kart. Sticker Star. It's a totally different, different thing. This is, this is the stickers here are not. I don't think the ultimate point. Nintendo, what's with the stickers? I think you're confusing stickers and stamps too. God. Stamps are in Mario Kart. Stamps, stickers. Well, the stamps are just the meaver. I think you're getting hung up on the, the right. wrong things. Right. 
I don't, I don't know. Stickers are Paper in full Mario. color, Huber. I'm salty about it. <laughs> You're salty about stamps and stickers? Yep. Okay. I think they're just a replacement for achievements, basically. But... Kinda. Kinda. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's let's move on. Let's okay. get a fresh conversation going. <laughs> Daniel Bloodworth, what have you been playing? Um, let's see what uh, I just uh, Huber's played this too. I just finally finished uh, this past week my Witcher Three Blood and Wine review. Mm. Nice. Congratulations. So. Uh, yeah, very good expansion. It's like one of those again. It's like it's one of those expansions. It's like you've got your sequels. Uh, this this expansion has more than your sequel, and it's twenty dollars. Yeah. Oh, and there was a comment on the review too, where somebody was like, "I just paid how much money for the Street Fighter stuff?" That's funny. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I spent so far. I've spent about forty hours or so just in Blood and Wine. Uh, and it's you know what and the thing that like really stands out is I put I've put so much time into The Witcher, especially on my second playthrough because I was like doing the completionist run that I advise everybody not to do, and and so I was in many ways fatigued with parts of that world, and so the surprise of this actually feeling fresh and this actually like giving me that that sense of wonder again of like what's around every corner and like oh check out this cool place and that cool place and. You know, it just it feels like like a very different region, a, a different people, and you know, and artists and weird quests with statues and painters and all this kind of thing, and uh, and even like some of the wildlife, just like they've got like pheasants and peacocks running around that you know aren't in the main game. Just, just all of these different little things, and even like the sounds of insects. Are, There's a lot of things different. Kyle Bossman would like about this game. A lot of the quests. Why do you, why do you say that? Just the one where you have to, like, take a picture of a peacock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love and, stuff like that. And, like, withdraw money from a bank yeah. is a quest. The bank the bank thing that is... That doesn't sound inherently interesting. The bank thing is hilarious. <laughs> but that, I, I just feel like I would love this kind of stuff. Okay. Now, because cause here's what happens with the bank thing. And it's easy to forget this, is Geralt was dead. He died in the books, and the first game was Geralt just coming back to the books. Whoa! Oh, oh. Wow. Dodge the Pokeball. Yeah, dodge it. Yes. Um, I'll keep talking. <laughs> uh, For listeners. Drinks are not good on this show. Bloodworth um, spilled his bottle of beer. Root beer. Root, alcoholic root alcoholic beer. Alcoholic root beer. Um, <laughs> but no, so anyways... So the whole the whole she thing. She was using tissues to yeah, that's clean not, up. Yeah, that's not working out too well. <laughs> uh, it's it's right here. Do we have? Uh, I gotta believe there's paper it's towels working, hiding it's around. It's working well. Look at this. Okay. All right, so we're going to the bank. Okay, so we're going to the bank. But so the so the thing is, is Witcher One, like yeah. basically was like Geralt's more or less coming back from the dead in a way. Like you don't really understand a lot of it until you get it explained later on. Um, and uh, and he has amnesia and all this stuff because of what happened to him. So basically, he's been declared dead. So he goes to the bank and they're like, "Oh, your well, your account's on hold because you're dead." <laughs> That's pretty good. It's like, well, I'm not dead. It's like, well, you're gonna have to get a form filled out. And so and then you go back and forth to all of these different offices, like trying to get the right form. And then there's a form to get the form, and it's just, yeah, it's it's pretty funny. Blowers, uh. The thing that I run into with a lot of Western RPGs, I think I ran into it with Pillars of Eternity, is I'll play through the base game and I'll really enjoy it. I'll love it so much. But because the games are so long, like the thought of playing through DLC or an expansion, if it's ju- if it's just more of that, uh, it I just feel like I need to take a little bit of a break or like 
as soon as I get done with the main game, I can't hop right back in. Do you think each, like, Hearts of Stone feels different enough from the base game and Blood and Wine feels different enough from Hearts of Stone and the base game that you don't really run into that fatigue issue? I, yeah, I think so. I mean, that's, that's the thing. That's the biggest thing that surprised me, you know, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's just that sense of, like, oh, I'm, I'm doing a whole new thing now. You know, I'm, I'm in a new place. I've got new characters to work with. There's just a completely different tone to how everything is going down. Uh, you know, and there, you know, obviously there's still the kind of the core elements of what makes the franchise what it is, you know, that things aren't always what they appear to be and that there's these gray areas with choice and all of that. Um, but, you know, that's still like, it does a really good job of making that feel fresh, you know, and then it, there's still, you know, things that I'm going back and, and trying to find. There's actually a whole new mechanic that they added that I didn't even know about until after I'd finished the review. And I was like exploring, I was like, oh, like what? There's this huge fortress and there's like dudes everywhere that I have to fight. And, and like, I have to like clear this bandit camp. And it was not a thing that they had in the main game. Mm-hmm. Not a thing they had in previous expansion. They just introduced it for this. Um, and, and you didn't even get to it during the review. I didn't even That's get crazy. to it during the 40 hours of the review process. When I when I looked uh, at kind of the initial batch of blood and wine screenshots, I, I, this is a very simple thing, but I was surprised at just how blatantly they use color to like a really cool degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there were just people like I don't know what they were doing, but they were like in these colorful vats. There was like purple and yellow and stuff, and it was like it looked so striking and different from anything else I had ever seen in The Witcher, and it I, I just. It looks like the the town, the main town. I don't know what it's called in Blood and Wine. It's just like kind of. Oh, uh, Beauclair is the main town. Yeah. yeah, and it's and it's cool because it's like you go, um, you kind of go from like the palace and like the really rich areas, and then and then you kind of go down the hill and things get, you know, um, you know more and more, um, you know, like with the, the peasants and stuff. But but it's it still has that color, that that different vibe. It has you know that sort of Italian or Spanish yeah. or French vibe to it. Um, and then uh, just the amount of detail that I was impressed with, with just like walking around one of the vineyards and you see all of the different workers, like just people like doing carpentry, people making barrels, like people like getting into the vats and stomping on the grapes, people picking the grapes, just like every little job that you could think of that would happen in a vineyard. Like there is somebody there doing it. And then I went back later and like, and I found them around a bonfire dancing I'm like, this is hilarious. Mm-hmm. I didn't even expect that. They're like, all these people have been working all day are just going to party it up at night. Sure, sure. Uh, besides Blood and Wine, which I know is kind of a, a mountain to climb, has there been anything else that you've been uh, looking at? I just finished my uh, full playthrough of uh, Majin and the Forsaken Kingdom. It's cheating. What's that? It's How's... cheating. You were streaming it. So Okay. Okay. How's that cheating? <laughs> You, you can watch more and find out more, but I never played it's the game. Like, it's like, I never what, played the game before. What have you been playing on your free time? Is what the purpose of this is. You think I've got free time? Yeah, I think you got free time. My free time is in the chat in the forums. All right, that's true. And watching your streams. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, no, it was it was it was a cool game. You know, like I I think the 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 solid sevens, the mid sevens was the right place for that to be. There were definitely some awkward things, like even the the last boss battle, mm-hmm. like there was just some very simple thing that wasn't it's like you know they kept the, the character kept yelling at me. he's like you got to do this you got to do this and I'm like i don't what do you want me to do it's like oh you want me to interact with that differently than i've interacted with any other object in the environment thank you for that so you know it's just it's like a lot of these little clunky things and like the uh the lock-on 
for like when when you you know want to have somebody like Z targeted or whatever, mm-hmm. you, like you have to hold like L1 and R1 buttons on the Xbox controller. So it's like really funky to like do that and then try to like move around. So just just weird little things like that that uh, can uh, get you. Um, but in terms of the game itself, it's you know it's got a lot of charm. It's got some weird bad voice acting. You talk to all these animals and they have like the most ridiculous accents. Uh, a lot of people were saying that Kyle did all the voices. They were convinced. Um, but uh, <laughs> and then uh, and then like all the powers that he gets, you get from like these fruit that you pick up. And there's this, this hilarious animation of like you wiggling the fruit to like break it free. And so like we, me and Brandon like turned it into a song and dance thing. Like every any time there was a fruit to pick, we would like wiggle it off and just yeah. Um, but yeah, very very cool game. More or less like a Zelda-ish type of game. Uh, was Ocarina of Time the first game with Z targeting? Like um, Mario 64? It's the one that made it count. Yeah. That's I why mean, we call it Z targeting. Yeah. 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 Cool. Blood, I, I have to ask, you know, when you could stream anything, Majin the, the Forsaken Kingdom seems like a pretty random choice. What? It's what one of those things that's been sitting game? on my shelf for who knows how many years. Me too, Blood. You know? When you were started playing it, I was like, oh man, I never got to that game. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, I was curious about it. Yeah. Um, Blood Wars Swimming in Sevens, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Good yeah. Does it end with hopes for a sequel? No. Oh, it really nice. doesn't. Cool. Uh, so. It knows the truth. It knows. <laughs> and then uh, I just, I, I don't have enough to say about it because I've really played just the amount of, that I played at E3, but I just started Song of the Deep. Mm. Nice. Um, so I'll have a review for that on the way. Nice. Uh, the Sequ- one thing I will say that stands out to me now compared to just playing it on the show floor is just the music. Sure. It's just really easy. Just like, let me just lean back and be in this space for a bit. So, do I have to go to GameStop to buy that game? Uh, I mean, there's digital available, so I would oh, okay, think cool. not. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. All right, sweet. Physical from GameStop only. Right. That'd be so crazy. Xenoblade Chronicles. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think I think you, yeah, that's the only way to get physical. Yeah. Man, oh man. Uh, Michael Huber. Last yeah. but certainly not least, I, I always expect something wild from you. What do you got for me? Goaty Contender. Oh. SteamWorld Heist. Okay. So good. No, I believe you. The problem is it, it, it technically came out last I year. I know, I know. <laughs> that whole technicality thing. It's going to get snubbed. Although, oh. although if we... Well, it's sort of up to us. How we, how we gauge the rules. I think at GT we didn't actually include it because it came out too late. I yeah. think I got it nominated for Best Handheld. I think it do did, you? yeah. I'm not sure. Huber. I tried. I think it might have been too late. Yeah, but I feel like SteamWorld Heist is a game that you go and you read reviews and everyone's like, oh, this is great, but yeah. it's still not getting a lot of attention. Yeah. Do a public service. You, you love it. You think it's a go-to contender. It's so good. It's a couple hundred years after SteamWorld Dig. Mm-hmm. Wow. This is another phenomenal game. I love these guys. It's uh, image and form, I think. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, but SteamWorld Heist, I was a little concerned when I first saw it because I loved SteamWorld Dig so much. And it's that apprehension of like, whoa, they're changing it. Like, I, lo- I love SteamWorld Dig. Like, this looks so different. Um, and now I'm, I'm glad it's so different. It's turn-based strategy. And you have like your ragtag group of uh, pirate, robot, space pirate people. And you're at war with like the Imperial Army. And they're kind of like, you know, treating the steam robots like dirt and taking all their mining money and so it's basically like rebelling against them and then this like third party comes a third party always a third party 
Love uh, a third party. Similar to SeaWorld Dig, kind of a third party situation. Don't want to spoil that. Um, it's a 2D strategy game. 2D, though. yeah, 2D, and it's like grid based. You, you have orange and blue movement, so blue is like sprint. So mm. if you sprint really far, it takes up your entire turn. So you really want, it's all about positioning, but then when you attack, you aim. And you can choose which attack you want, and like you get different items, different weapons, you're constantly getting loot, but not too much. It's, like, it's very scrolling though, right? Yeah. So it'll put you into like a big room, and there's like fog of war until you go into another room. So you're like progressing through these rooms. But you're like docking into ships. You're docking into ships, you're docking into like oil floating oil drill barrack thing you do your business and then you get out of there yeah i like that too and some missions are different like it'll be like all right go kill that person go rescue that person or go just get that treasure loot plunder yeah and uh xp only goes for the people you bring into the mission so i I love games like that where you have to like use kind of everyone or just focus and like build up your main your main trio like i have the guy that's like constantly lifting a dumbbell yeah. I love that guy melee damages yeah uh, but it's just it has so much charm it has just enough story for me to really get on board with every character there's always every time you come back from a mission there's like banter between the crew uh, there's shops you gain money um, uh, one of the things I love is that it auto saves and if you fail a mission you lose half your money mm. so there's no save mm. scumming so it's high stakes. Nice. Oh god. Uh, really like that. Uh, when I played it just very very briefly a long time ago, uh, something that I liked was somewhat similar to Valkyria Chronicles. Like when you target a dude, you actually have to aim. Yeah. And and depending on how well you aim, you know that'll determine how much damage you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that always seemed like a neat thing. And it was, yeah. it, it used the two D environment to its advantage because you could like ricochet yep. bullets off of things and stuff oh, wow. and that yeah. is really cool it's cool because the long the laser sight guns are really good they do a little less damage but you can really line up a shot and there's like explosives. you can bounce it three times yeah like, you, bing, bing, yeah bing. yeah uh there's explosives which can do friendly fire but they do aoe damage mm. so there's a lot of nuance to to the combat and different classes not everyone can wield the big explosive yeah. guns. Not different classes yeah. they uh there's one that like every time they get hit they do more damage on their next attack. Uh, the leader can like inspire their troops. If you come up next to her, they do more damage, and then she can like heal them. Like that. Which is clutch, actually. So, yeah. yeah, it gets really tough. Unlike other strategy games that I've played too, it's all very readable. Like you, like you mm-hmm. said, there's, there's there's all this stuff you can do. There are all these things, this nuance that you can dig into. But like mm-hmm. when I was playing it, I never struggled with like, yeah. okay, how do I accomplish these things, or mm-hmm. what does this stuff mean that the game is telling Super me? Super inviting. Yeah, you can change the difficulty on any mission. Nice. Uh, missions last like five to ten minutes. You can do one or two at a time. So, I just I love it. I'm in love with it. SeaWorld Dig. I came too late. Also, it was on 3DS. I waited till the PS4. Mm. Same with this. I'm just loving those games. Definitely. So, and then I played um, briefly Mirror's Edge. I'm not that far into it, but it feels kind of lifeless. Yep. Like Mirror's Edge is such a missed opportunity. Like, yeah, could be such a cool world. Like I keep thinking of Syndicate, which is like mediocre game, but at least Syndicate really goes for the world building and like. You mean the more recent Syndicate? Yeah. Okay. The like EA 2013 one, maybe or 2012. Right. Yeah, like Mirror's Edge just feels like a shell of a world. I don't so. think the characters are very likable yeah. in that game. Yeah. yeah. 
So, but it's fun running around the city. Yeah. Like there's there's some joy to be had there for sure. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I want to talk about it. There was there's one game that I want to talk about really quickly, and I. I don't like to do this. I, I like to keep Frame Trap uh, good vibes as much as I can, but but you know mm. sometimes that's just not the case. Uh, Mighty Number no. Nine is oh. a game that I played through, and uh, I don't ever want to play again. Oh no! Um, mm. You know we've we've talked kind of about the delays and the complicated issues that Mighty Number no. Nine had during its development, but just just focusing on the final product, I it's hard for me to imagine somebody out there who was like okay, I want the spiritual successor to Mega Man. I want this to continue that style of game in a really, really cool way, being satisfied at all. And I think the, the, the way to start this conversation is just how the game is presented. Like, the, very rarely, I feel like, do I say this about a game, the way it looks and animates and how voice lines are delivered, like, all of it, it's never good. It's never even, like, approaching mediocre. Everything looks like trash. Like, when something explodes, when you see a new ability, when you get a new outfit, like, characters will be talking to each other, and it'll just be this ugly little round face that doesn't move, and they'll deliver their lines so painfully slow that it's like, have you ever been reading a book, and you're really tired, and you you suddenly snap out of it, and you, you realize that like you've been kind of reading unconsciously and you're like a page ahead but you don't remember anything that happened <laughs> that happens with mighty number no. nine like a cutscene will end and you'll be like oh because you'll just kind of it's it just there's no craft to it and because of that lack of craft like even if you're actively trying to pay to pay attention i feel like you just sort of drift away from it uh kyle you played a little bit am i am i being unfair no, I okay. I bought this game because I thought I'll turn this into a Boston at Home episode where I finally tear this game apart. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't finish it. Yeah, not mm. even for the episode, not even for a show. I just like I, I can't. Yeah, I couldn't do it. Oh. I spent, I spent fifteen dollars on that game. It's like I, I hate you. <laughs> I hate you, you dumb game. Wow. I, and I think the other thing that's that's really a bummer is I I feel like the few ideas that. Mighty Number no. Nine has like amount to nothing. Like it's a game that that just amounts to nothing in a lot of ways because the part of it is is when you damage enemies to a certain point, they'll change a certain color like red or green or yellow. And when you absorb them, depending on the color, you get a temporary buff. So if it's green, you'll move a little bit faster. If it's red, you'll do a little bit more damage. And if it's yellow, you'll get more defense. But it's like it's not that it's completely useless. I wouldn't say that. But the buff doesn't last all that long, and it's 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 a minor thing. You don't feel it. You don't feel it. Yeah. Like you just you just kind of do it, and it just kind of happens. You're like, I just kind of have this this buff. There's no celebration to it. Like, mm. and it, comparing the two might be a little bit unfair, but but bear with me. Like in Bayonetta, you which you do witch time all the time, yeah. but like the way that it's presented, when you do it, when you hit that trigger and you do that dodge, it feels good. I've never like, felt so badass in a game. Right, <laughs> right. And I, you, there's just there's just none of that joy or celebration uh, in Mighty Number no. Nine when you're getting those temporary abilities. And for the most part, like I understand that it's trying to appeal to that those Mega Man sensibilities, but I feel like for most of that game, it's just like here's the fire level. Here's the ice level. Here are the bosses that do things that exactly you expect them to. Whereas something like a like a Shovel Knight, it's definitely evocative of those old NES games. But like, there were so many things in Shovel Knight where I'm like, oh, that's a crazy idea. Like, I didn't see that in those older games. Mm-hmm. Um, and the couple of times that Mighty Number no. Nine tries to do that is there's this there's this highway level where there's not really a stage. You're just kind of jumping between cars and trucks. 
that would be cool, except despite this game looking terrible, it has frame rate issues and it's like mm. stuttering. And so what should there should be like the sense of speed or like the sense of danger as you're jumping between cars, but because of like the weird performance issues, uh, it just doesn't work. There's another one where the you see the boss right away in the stage or in this Capitol building, and he's sniping you. And his bullet, like you see the the red laser sight, and it will like bend around and bounce on the walls. And you have to dodge the his shots while you try to find him because he'll bounce from place to place. And it's a cool idea, but it's a cool idea that goes on for like way, 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 way too long. And by the end of the stage, you're mm-hmm. just like, okay, let's just get on with it. And like Mega Man Two is the first game I ever played, and so. Those games are near and dear to my heart. I really love Mega Man Legends. Um, I've heard great things about Battle Network. I love the Mega Man X series. And I just feel absolutely nothing. Like, I can't even... Like, you said that you hated it. I can't even bring myself to hate it. Like, I just <laughs> finished it. Brutal. Yeah, I just, I just finished it, and I felt empty. Like, <laughs> like you've been... Like, as somebody who's a fan of Mega Man, I feel like I've been waiting for that meal, and I went to the restaurant, and I ordered... And it, it's like I might as well have walked out with nothing, mm-hmm. you know. Like I paid my bill, but I didn't. I didn't get anything. Mm-hmm. Thinking so. back, I think it might be twenty dollars. I don't think it's fifteen. I, yeah, I think it is. I think that was a twenty. That was a pizza. Wow. This whole pizza. Ben, can I talk about one more thing, really? Quick? Oh, of course. Whoa. Dude. Yeah. I've been waiting to just. It's been like bottled up inside oh, me. Oh, please, especially. I'm obsessed right now with Uncharted Four multiplayer. <laughs> Whoa. I am reaching like. New like Counter Strike in its prime 1.4 of levels of obsession right you now. You are invoking something that I don't know if I'm ready to handle. Like I, I, I thought I loved this game, and then they just came out with the huge patch that like added a ton of stuff, changed a bunch of stuff, balanced a bunch of stuff, and now I cannot stop playing. In an era when there are so many. Dare I say, too many video games. Yeah. And we're always moving on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. All I want to do is play Uncharted 4 multiplayer. <laughs> a, a big thing that you were talking to me in the early days of your Uncharted 4 multiplayer was was the good vibes that it just felt good yeah. to play. Is that is that still kind of the driving force for you? Yeah. It is, it is very intense when you do ranked. Like, the way... The way the ladders are set up are just really... You really feel like you're part of a season... Whereas, like, StarCraft 2, I think of, did, like, okay, you're in the league, you're in bronze, silver, gold, platinum, whatever, you're just climbing up. This is, like, you win in, you win points with your team, or if your team loses, you lose points. And then you can get demoted, but mm. then to get promoted, you need to win, like, two out of three matches. So every time you play a ranked multiplayer match, it just is, it feels like such high stakes, but it also feels inviting. Like, you can just hop in. It's just so much fun. Have you had any issues with the community at all? Any jerks on a headset spouting nonsense? Anything like that? No. Um, I haven't heard a lot of English, though. Okay. So I, they could be talking shit, but uh-huh. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Because there's a, just a lot of people from other countries where I, I don't know what they're saying. Cool. Sure. But, um, but it's not bothered. Like, it's because yeah. you can't understand. It's not hurting your experience. And when you do ranked, you feel like part of a community because... Your team needs to win. So people, you have to play as a team. If you do ranked multiplayer, like, if you get revived, the other team doesn't get a point. So, like, people are wanting to revive you. They want to be supportive. The patch added uh, support features. Like, you can give your teammate items now. Uh, So, 
It's just so good. You're you're really concerned about those shotguns. Would uh... shotguns are still not very good. Uh, Quentin brought up a really good point. He asked me. He's like, "Do you like getting killed by a shotgun in multiplayer?" And I'm like, "No." He's like, "Exactly." You know, <laughs> people just don't like like Gears of War. You know, you run it's... in there, people are just coming up like bam, bam. It's like you you don't stand a chance. Right. So. Yeah, I'm just super into it. Uh, if you want to play at Michael P. Huber, send me your tag. I'm playing with some allies in there. I like it. I saw you send out that tweet. Yeah. Did people respond? And yes. Like, cool. I haven't nice. played with anyone yet, but I added a bunch of people, and I just haven't seen them on yet. I'm going to have They're a league. Cool. Yeah. Like, I'm ready to players. go. I'm ready to play. I'm ready to climb the ladders. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, just like the last episode, we are, we are a little bit scrunched for time, and I, I kind of have an elaborate thing to do next, but... Uh, Keep keep the time in mind as we're okay. as we're doing the segment. Cool. All right. So it's it's we've reached that point in the show, and I'm really excited about this. There's just there hasn't been any uh, there hasn't been that much in gaming that's really gotten my attention. Uh, I do want to talk about Pokemon Go on the show at some point, but I haven't really been able to like properly play that or dig into it, and so I don't feel like I have any meaningful things. Yeah, I've, to say I've just yet. seen photos. I'm played it myself i hate it Chris, so i'll Kristen's, be happy to not be there for that episode oh but i want that i want the perspective <laughs> oh, I, I want the hate Kristen um, said a pikachu was in an army base so she like she was gonna hop the fence but it was like an army base so she couldn't go get it or something i <laughs> on the uh on the bombcast they mentioned that like the developers last game ingress like people would set up traps like actual traps because it was like faction v faction and like like attend attempt to like injure others so they couldn't reach that point to like get an advantage oh, in the game or something or something like that. And this, you can't battle people though, and in, in directly, I right. can't battle you. Sure, uh, okay. I couldn't do anything nearly as cool as that. Okay. W- would you want to set up traps for human beings? Yes. Okay. <laughs> of yes. course, I would. Yeah. I don't want to elaborate on that anymore. <laughs> All right, let's go in. <laughs> let's go into the next segment. It is time for. Okay. Mm. Um. So I was looking at the games that are coming out, confirmed coming out, definitely like have a date for 2016, and we, we always get a little bit of this every year, I think, but uh, I think this year is especially distinct, where we have a lot of games that are either finally coming out, like finally coming out after years and years and years of developer turmoil, or... There's sequels that are kind of a, a turning point for their respective franchise. Either we've been waiting for them for a while, or it's like it's a new start, or there's some twist to it uh, that makes it very, very different. And so what I want to do is, the way that I thought about this is, all of you, these six games, you're, you're all Katana experts. So you know uh, what a quality blade is. And you, you say to those around you, you get your fame in your village by being able to look at a blade inside of a sheath and you can just tell how sharp it is. So these six games, pretend that there are blades in their sheath and I put them in a glass box. Mm-hmm. And you're going to tell me cut or no cut. And cut is good, okay? It's a sharp blade. Sharp, sharp blade. No cut is bad. And uh, here's what I want your cut no cut criteria to be to, to consist out of mm-hmm. so basically with the cut no cut if you say cut you think that these games will live up to expectations that they will be generally well received and what i mean by generally well received is these are the three components they'll be critically well liked uh they will be they will sell well like meeting relatively meeting expectations and number three they will meet your own personal expectations your own personal 
uh, values. And so you have to use all three of those uh, when you decide cut or no cut. Great game. This is going to be fun. Yeah. It's a little bit too elaborate <clears throat> for the time we have, but we're going to do the best that we have. I actually cut a game from this list. But uh, the one we're going to start out with is uh, No Man's Sky. And for this game, you can either start with the cut or no cut, or you can go into the explanation and give me the cut or no cut at the end. Michael Huber, I'm going to start with you on No Man's Sky. Why? Uh, It's everything I've seen so far is exciting. And I can't take credit for this, but I read... What magazine was this? I read it in a recent magazine. It wasn't PC Gamer. Maybe PC Gamer? Is No Man's Sky on PC? Yes. Yeah, okay, I think it was PC Gamer. They're talking about how, like, you can't hope to interact with anyone, right? Because there's... It did it did it uh, in math. It said, if there are this many planets and this many people are concurrently playing, you have 0.000001% chance of ever stumbling on... Stumbling upon someone. Mm Mm-hmm. But then we've heard that the game is all about getting to the center of the universe. Right. So my mind was just started just started spinning with these ideas of like, what if the center of the universe, there's only a few planets and all these people from those quintillion planets mm-hmm. are converging. And when you get to the center, you know, all of a sudden like trade and commerce and interaction like sprouts up. So if a game can make me dream as much as no man's sky has like i'm all in and but you believe they can do it and i believe they can do you it. you think with what they've they've shown and what they've said okay cool. and because if you do anything out of love versus business chances are for the best mm-hmm. that it's going to come out ahead and sean murray is doing this game out of love i really like everything you just said Eber. so Blood. Cut, no cut. So the three criteria are sales, reviews, reviews, and just my personal opinion. Yes, and I think for this, if, if you think it might fail in one regard, if it makes up for it in another regard, like that, you can kind of have that balance each other out. It doesn't necessarily have to be a smashing success in all three. Those are just the, the criteria that I kind of want you to frame your argument around. Yeah, I think with those criteria, I think I will go with cut. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think that it, it will be uh, a very different game. I, I think I think the challenge comes really with expectations. And, and I think that's where the stumble could be, but it's not part of those criteria where there are pe- a lot of people that have certain expectations. And then like because of that that they'll have this backlash that's not warranted but i i think the game itself uh it i think it will hold up i think it will be a very different experience i i think that it will capture enough people to have good sales and will get good critical reviews um but i i do think there will be this this edge to it that we're always sort of seeing to where you know, there are these weird expectations that people have that like it just couldn't live up to, or that even if it really does, then you know, like they won't they won't give it the credit for that. So this is this this strange kind of uh, the difference between reality and perception kind of thing. I like that. What's the date on that? 
Um, August 9th? Ooh, that's real soon. Oh, man. He's really in the sky. Kyle Bossman. <laughs> this is a cut. I okay. think it will not review well. I think, uh, I think it definitely, there will be good reviews. I don't think it's going to be great across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think sales-wise, I, I, it makes me nervous as retail. Uh, it, it'll do better than um, uh, Tearaway, but I don't, I, it'll be a success. I don't think it's going to go huge. Uh, you know, it won't do better than Bloodborne. Uh, and personally, I just, I've, never, I've never touched it. I have very low expectations for it. I think I'm going to love this game. I think I'm just going to love flying around in a spaceship. Yeah. Do, do you like that you know nothing about it? Because I know that that's it's frustrating some people. No, no, no. For yeah. me, this was an intentional choice. Uh, you said that you think the reviews are going to be divided. Do you think that speaks to Blower's point, that it's that the, the re- different reviews will be the result of different expectations? Yeah. Uh, reviewers can't wait to tear this thing apart. Oh. I hate that, though. <laughs> I hate that. I yeah. hate reading those nice reviews. Yeah. You can't, like... There's no objective. Mm. You, like, just gather. You just go on a planet and you gather. If I read a review that says, "By the end, I wondered what the point was," I, I might. <laughs> I don't know. I might burst a blood vessel. I want to. I want to review it then and somehow put that in, but in like a positive context. Gotcha. Just for the sake of time, I, I think I, I also there are some of these fast. that I do want to talk about. You can go fast, um, though. There's some of these that I, I personally wanted to comment on, but for No Man's Sky, I think a lot of you took the words right out of my mouth. I don't really have a lot else to say. I'm also going to say it's a cut. Um, we're going to move on to Dishonored 2. Mm. Uh, and I think Dishonored, the reason I put Dishonored 2 on here is it has been a, a while since the first game. Um, and that first game was a, was one of those rare instances where they, they had a new IP that kind of just blew up and, and got really, really big. And it, it's, it's one of those games where... I feel like the sequel could either cement the legacy or make people look up back on their first one and go, actually, it wasn't all that great. I mean, so I think it's, in a, it's an interesting spot. Blood, I'm going to start with you on this one. Cut or no cut? Hmm. <laughs> it's a sword in a sheath. You don't have to start with a cut or no cut. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um... No, it's tricky because what, what's odd to me is I feel like in, in terms of like sort of the social narrative, I feel like Dishonored always had like this really good buzz and like a lot of people liked it. And then for some reason this past few months, as we've been starting to talk a little bit more about Dishonored 2, there's been like this other faction of people that have been coming out and is like, I can't stand Dishonored kind of thing. And I'm like, whoa. Divinity. Where did that come from? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... It's it's really tricky for me, um, and I think I think the sales might be the place where it really really struggles. Uh, I I I, th- I think that it could be a really good game, uh, and uh, I think that it could have some mostly positive reviews. But I, I think yeah, I think maybe no cut because I think that with everything else that's happening right now that. It's just not capturing people's imaginations the way the first game did. Yeah. Okay. Cut, boss man. This is an easy no cut. I'm taking this one off the shelf. I'm taking it back to the, whatever swordmaster created this sword and said, "Try again." Uh, this is a no cut. This sword will not cut a thing. It won't cut noodles. Uh, That's a bad sword. This game will review well. Reviewers will love it. Uh, I don't think that. I'm into it. I don't think I'll be into this game. I don't think it will sell well. 
I think that what they showed at E3 was not impressive. I think it was simply not impressive. Uh, when I think back to the presentation, I think of the last thing they showed was, and now we're going to show you something really cool. This is the one level where you don't have your powers, but you have this weird time mechanic. And it was unimpressive. And it was like, that was them showing off the best thing that they sh- thought would wow people. Uh, and it wasn't there. And so, yeah, I don't think this game is going to, you know, drop, draws, d- drop jaws. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's not going to cut. Uh, reviewers are going to love it, though. Wait till you see all the nines across the board for this thing. The reviewer shade is great coming from you. I love it. <laughs> I, I really do. That's not a, that's not a sarcastic comment. Uh, Michael Huber. E3 dehyped me for sure. Mm-hmm. I adore Dishonored 1. That game is so beautiful. Um, it is so, so good. But right now, the sword wielder has his coat over the sheath. I cannot see the sheath or the blade. I am looking into his eyes, but they are just red with fire. (laughs) So I do not know. But you have to, like the people are relying on you. They need to defend their village with these swords and you're, you're out of time. You have to make a call. No cut. Ooh, I'm gonna say no cut. It's for, uh, the, it's for the good of the village here. Can, I, can I have one, one E3 more just killed me. It that killed I think plays me. into this. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I admire Dishonored on a mechanical level. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I really don't care about the world or the characters at it, all. And it, uh, it's so frustrating because the, there's Dude. a good look to it. Like there's, there's a style to it, but I. If you have they tried to fill those in those holes, it never really resonated with yeah. me. Yeah, like the, even that whole like what was it the outsider guy? I'm like, what? Who are you? If I you play the oh yeah oh yeah. If you play the DLC, the two part dog thing with the witches, right? I heard the DLC was great. So much like such awesome world stuff. I gotta say, I think the domino power is stupid. Domino? Yeah, it, it's the one where if you just if you connect this ability to this oh, guy and yeah. then kill this guy, the other guy dies too. Or anything you do oh, to him. Right, I'm yeah. just super bummed they didn't do exactly what they did with Tishonor 1, the presentation. We're going to go at it this way and this way. Sure. Yeah. Like, that's the strength of the game. And I just, I think they missed it. I don't know. Uh, I'm nervous. I was really not expecting uh, the uniform answers that we've gotten so far, but I, I'm also going to go with, with no cut. Uh, and I, I love Dishonored 1. I yeah. have no shame in saying that. Uh, but what I liked about Dishonored 1 in the sense that I got is, you know, there, there's, you can compare Dishonored to other games. You can compare it to Deus Ex. You can, you can make some Hitman comparisons, but it really felt like it had a lot of ideas. Like, the, the style of its world, it, its tone, its powers, and the way that it utilized them, like, there was... There was a lot of creativity there, and what I was so afraid of with Dishonored 2 when they showed that CGI trailer is this is just more of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I was terrified that they were going to be like, all right, we're going to show off this game, and here are some new powers. And that's pretty much what they did at E3. It's like, yep, this is Dishonored, and here are some new things that you can do. And that's just not exciting to me at all. Like, I want, I want something deeper. I want something more exciting. I want to feel like I did uh, when I was watching those early videos of the first game, and I'm not getting that so far. For sure. Uh, next one, I'm most excited to do this one, but I think I know what the result is going to be. Uh, Final Fantasy 15. Cut. All right, go ahead. This is our swiftest sword on the shelf. This thing will tear down armies single-handedly. Mm-hmm. Put the sword in your hands and nothing can stop you. This will be one of the greats. 
this is like a this is like a legendary sword. This is a legendary like an sword. Unbreakable sword. Okay. Uh, you totally believe in this game. You know, there's been there's been some worry here and there, uh, especially with the Microsoft showing, and and that that has not dulled your enthusiasm for this blade at all. No. Tell me why. Uh. <laughs> Maybe it's because I don't pay attention to the trailers. I don't. I'm pretty media blackout on this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe in the team. I believe in the vision. I believe in how much Square Enix believes in this game. I believe that they've learned from their mistakes. I believe this won't be 13. And uh, I believe that video games are just better when things like this exist. I, I just like there's this game is gonna. It just f- fills its own part of this whole. Of this, mm-hmm. this the existence of video games. And even if you hate 15, it's just doing this thing that nothing else is doing. Uh, w- when you say that, do you mean like the, the, the ability to wow? Where you're just going to have those scenes and those moments where you're like, oh my god, like just just the way in which they're doing this and the way it's presented is unlike anything else. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, it's a unique game. It's, yeah. a, it's a road trip story about four dudes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're also, it's a fantasy story at the same time. And it's just... Uh, the demo, uh, episode Duske, just playing that, uh, it was one of my favorite games of that year. I just loved that. I loved, uh, the behemoth and how real that behemoth felt when you're trying to hide from it and eventually you summon Ramu to kill it and just the, the point from there to there and, and just, uh, if there's more of that, if the entire game is episode Duske, like, it's just gonna be great. It's gonna be a great video game. I, uh, I am also gonna say cut, which I think is going to surprise some people i'm surprised yeah uh but there's i think i think there's there's some reasons for that and i it's a lot part of it is what michael huber said i i believe in tabata uh yeah. i've been really reading a lot of interviews that guy's doing and he doesn't like the way that they talked about 13 pre-release it it made you worried based on their tone it's like these guys these guys are are disconnected with their audience and what their audience wants and they're just in there doing their own thing. They told us it was going to be one of the greats. Right. They said, this is one of the greats. Don't worry about right. it. Right. <laughs> where, where I feel like with Tabata, there's this there's this sense of humility. There's this sense of understanding what the problems are. And honestly, this is a weird thing to say, but there's a sense of exhaustion. I feel like this man is giving every part of his being into making this game yeah. good. And he doesn't feel like this weird, vague game director. He feels like a person when he talks. And that's the kind of person I want behind Final Fantasy. I really like this, that that's not the most concrete thing. But my other piece of evidence that I do think is more concrete is uh, I downloaded and played the Platinum demo right after the Uncovered event. Like, I sped home to play it, and I got through it, and I felt kind of underwhelmed. I, I, didn't, I didn't get the combat. It wasn't clicking for me. But uh, there were two important items that I didn't get that, that were hidden away. The chakra and the shield. Yes. And I, I went back a couple of weeks ago and I messed with those items and realized how great it felt to parry something with the shield and counter it. And I really dug into the combat system to the point where I felt competent at it and I understood what they were going for. And I was like, no, this can feel great. Like if they can just, if they can do a decent job of presenting what makes it so cool to players, I really think there's something there where it, it still feels Final Fantasy, but it is it is kind of like a really fun, really awesome action game that maybe doesn't control how you would expect, but controls well in its own way that is pretty cool once you kind of wrap your head around it. So I, uh, I'm i optimistic based on those two factors. Michael Huber. Cut. Hmm. Such an easy cut. 
like kind of like what Kyle said this is video games this is going into a world and just exploring that's all I want to do like I'm going to lose myself in Final Fantasy 15 even if some of the mechanics don't shape up in time for release like the combat you said it was better when you went back and got those items yeah um, I only played the Platinum demo a little bit, and it was a little a little weird. Sure. But, I mean, uh, you know, I feel the same way about Witcher 3, and it's one of the greatest video games I've ever played. So I'm just so excited to explore this world. Daniel Bloodworth. I might go with No Cut. Okay. Oh, I like uh, it. I, I want no some cut. disagreements. Um, yeah. I, think, um, I think the sales will be... Fine. They may still not hit whatever crazy number Square Enix wants, but they always overestimate. And then a couple months later, say, like, "Oh, we got enough now." When it sells more later, um, but uh, I th- I feel like critics will likely punish it for for sure for you know being a game that's taken so long and, and story. Yeah. Oh, they're gonna be so mean about the story. Four dudes. Yeah. In a car. Yeah, can't wait to read about that. People will, people will have fun. Use, we'll use the phrase and then, and then on the personal level, I'm just, I'm still not as sold as I want to be. Like, I feel like a lot of the things in terms of like, you know, like I know, like it's not the best representation of the game, but like the Titan fight just sort of felt to me like evidence of we're gonna have this really big thing because it's good to have a really big thing and cool to have a really big thing, even if it doesn't mechanically play out as well as it should, you know? So, sure. Uh, which I also kind of felt, you know, like was sort of a weak point with the uh, skill bound. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, here's this really big thing. It's like, well, why do I care that it's really big, you mm-hmm. know? And so I don't want to be, you know, slapping at something's toenail. Um, <laughs> I just don't. Yeah. Once you're and you rip Kronos's... Never mind. But I feel like God of War does a, does a good yeah. job of showing you why it's exciting where maybe that Titan demo didn't. Yeah, right. totally. Yeah, so, and then, you know, the... Uh, the the combat I I I need to play around with it more, but I'm I'm still just not sure like what it is in there that I, I'm supposed to be taking from it, and I also uh, yeah just you know just sort of what I've said before about sort of the uh, the look and feel of it like it's sort of I don't know like like I feel like I'm looking at like what they're trying to do with the engine and the textures more than like it all coming together. In a kind of a seamless way, mm-hmm. you you feel like when you look at it, you're you're more aware of yeah that stuff, the gaminess of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I really want that story to come together, Ben. I'm really scared. Like That's open world, same thing with Witcher. Yeah. Like if you go off and you do all those side things, you yeah. know, the main story is like we gotta stop this guy now. Okay, how about around to Gwent? How about I go help this guy? Like pour some water into a well. It's like, make me care about the main storyline. Make it urgent. So something I, I want to say that, that that also factored in my cut thing, but I did not bring it up, is they, they're they showing Kingsglaive in Japanese theaters right now, yeah. and there's been a lot of positive buzz. And if you kind of extrapolate that a little bit, you know, you have a movie. You don't have a battle system to fall back on. You don't have a, a world to fall back in the same way. Like, the, the driving force of a movie is, is the story and the characters, and if people are walking away and saying, that's good... That hopefully translates yeah. well to the game, because I, I think if the game didn't give them anything, that you know you wouldn't be hearing positive impressions mm-hmm. in the same way. So definitely, it's not a one to one there. You can't say because people enjoy this movie, people enjoy <laughs> yeah. the story in the game. But I don't, I don't think it's a bad sign. Yeah. 
for sure. Yeah, we've probably been selling it wrong. It's not four dudes on a road trip. It's a prince whose kingdom is under attack. Four right? brothers. Yeah. Four but brothers. The, the, the relationship between those four people is a focal point. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Blood, I really liked I really liked that. That was good. Don't be afraid for discerning. nerd cuts. Yeah, that was really, I, that was good. That was good. Uh, one that I do think we might be a little divisive on is Gears of War 4. Mm. And I'm going to go first on this one. Uh, well, I think it's going to be a cut. I think the whole Marcus Phoenix son thing is going to be terrible. I think there's going to be a lot of forced drama that doesn't resonate at all. And I don't think I'm going to care. I think it's going to be a well-designed third-person shooter that I'm just laughing at the entire time in a good way. I think I'm going to get ridiculous weapons in ridiculous situations, and it's going to feel fantastic, and it's going to look fantastic, and I think that's going to work over for viewers. I think it's going to work. I think the Xbox One needs a game like that. I think it might kind of fill that spot that maybe Halo 5 didn't, uh, and I think as a result it's going to sell well, especially since it's coming to PC as well. So I think it's a cut for me. Daniel Bloodworth. Oh, um... I think I'll go no cut. Okay. Just just from my impressions at E3, it's like it was it was solid, like the mechanics and everything were still there. The, you know, the stuff you expect from Gears, but I mean, I, but I think that's the thing is it just it felt like what I expected from Gears and and not much more. It's like okay, sure. here's here's a cool new weapon. Wait, did uh, you actually play it? And then actually, yeah, I actually played okay, it. Okay, so I didn't have okay. Yeah, here's a cool new weapon, but then oh, in practice, it's kind of a little weird and tricky to use, which makes sense the because like you don't, gun? yeah, yeah, because you don't want it to be overpowered. But it, you know, it's it's like oh, it's like let me use this and like oh wait, it's kind of stuck on this wall a little bit. Let me get it. Oh okay, no, it's it's not going quite where I wanted it. You know, and I'm just like wasting ammo and getting shot while I'm trying to figure out the new gun. Um, but I mean, that's just learning. But uh, but yeah, just overall, it was like it has. A little bit of a different vibe, but not enough to really like get me excited. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and yeah, I, I guess I don't know. It's 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 a lot of that just felt like reskinning things. It's like, well, instead of emergence holes, we've got like these pods, you know, and and like we've got these other pods that you know will drop down from the ceiling that have like you know people metamorphosizing in them, and that that you can use those as cover. And it was just, it just I don't know. It felt like sort of more of the same but you know just reskin in a couple of different ways and then with a different tone uh although i did like that tone uh, i i think having something that feels a little bit more horrifying is is something that gears needs to have sure kyle bossman i was gonna say cut Swordmaster bloodworth has me rethinking what i'm doing here he he did the same for me oh no all right you know what after I look at that hilt a little closer, mm-hmm. no, I'll stick with cut. Ooh, you know what? It'll, the swing. It'll make a man bleed. The blade will make a man bleed. It will cut. It will break skin. Okay. It will review. Okay. I think reviewers are gonna be mean to this game too. I think that it will sell well. I think that currently Xbox exclusive games are selling well. They're they're still doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not making the kind of sales they were with like Halo Five, right? Like we're selling Halo. But the fan base supports it. There's still a huge Xbox One fan base, and I think they will support this game as well. Uh, personally, I think it's going to be what I already assumed it was going to be, and so I, I don't. It, it can't hurt me. It can't disappoint me. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, when Marcus Phoenix says, "Hey there, son, I'm still alive," like, yeah, sure, of course you are. <laughs> like, fine, let's have a dramatic conversation. Uh, like, yeah, it can't hurt me. It can't disappoint me. Uh, it'll do fine. It'll it'll make a man bleed. 
So it, it may not be a, a blade that you personally bring into battle, but you recognize the potency of it in yeah. the hands of others. Yes. Okay. Uh, Michael Huber. I turn the corner in the alleyway. Oh, no. And I see a man with a blade. I see it. And I say, that blade is part of a pair. The other owner is Bradley Ellis. Mm-hmm. So it is a cut, baby. It's a co op <laughs> cut. Yeah. Gears of War, bold statement. Get ready. Gears of War, the franchise to me, is the best co op campaigns. Mm-hmm. They have the absolute pinnacle of co op campaigns going through the story, blasting fools with a buddy. Uh, you cannot top it. Even the worst in the franchise, Gears of War Judgment, was still okay with uh, with a friend. And you know now we're back mainline game. So I think uh, I think Gears of War, Gears of War Four will be a cut. I love the weather stuff in the demo. I just really hope that they do more separation. Always wanted that out of the out of the other Gears of War. Uh, when you separate from your partner. I wanted to take it one step further and cut the mics. I've been calling for this since Gears mm. of War 2. Separate the players mm. and cut the mic. Like, let me not communicate with my friend. We're, we're like in two different parts of the cave. What if you I know? can like still see you and like send you a flashlight sometimes? That'd be awesome. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Let's take co-op to another level, Gears of War. I, like, if anyone can do it, it's them. I totally... <sighs> I totally agree with you. I think with the type of gears of war, type of game gears of war is and what's going after it, it would never do something that like <sighs> people got mad when Dark Souls cut the mics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't like yeah. just for a moment, though. <laughs> not in not completely. I mean, you're together, you're together, you're talking to your bud, and then like you know, locusts come, you fall down a cave, and you got to regroup, and it's like, yo, you there? You there? Hello? <laughs> uh, th- this last game we're gonna have to go through really, really quickly. Okay, so this is a, this is a super small village that we're. They're just having a little bit of bandit trouble, so we can just do a quick evaluation on this one. Sure. And I am breaking the rules a little bit. This one doesn't have a definitive date from what I can tell. Uh, it just had, It's just 2016 at the moment. Uh, Recore. Whoa. Recore. Mm. I wanted to wanted to have a little bit of a curveball. That game is still 2016? Oh, yeah. That's what it says oh, no. on, on the quick internet search that I did. Uh-oh. So maybe, maybe something got announced that I missed. But to the best of my knowledge, it's still 2016. Michael Huber. Cut. Uh, because of what I saw at E3, prior to this, I didn't really have any hype, expectations, kind of off my radar. Uh, Brandon Jones waited in a very long line to play it, and then I met up with him to, like, go get something from him, and he was, like, right about to play, and I looked at the screen on the floor of, like, people playing, and it looked nothing like I had perceived that it, like, that it actually was. It looked so different. It was really fast, uh, really colorful, looked great in motion. Cut. I like it. Kyle Bossman. No cut. Uh, this is simply, I'll say, this is my own. I wanted this to be the Zelda of Xbox, and it is not. It's the Mega Man of Xbox, Kyle. Yeah, it's a lot more platforming, but like bad looking platforming. <sighs> the jumps are weird. She's like a skinny woman who does weird jumps. <laughs> like, uh, skinny women can do great jumps. This one does bad jumps. Being out of jumps with grace. Yeah. Um,. <laughs> Sorry, I said skinny woman. Why would I do such a thing? Uh, but uh, it's, it's what she is. She's very she's slim. Yeah, svelte. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. This is It's just not what I wanted it to be. I don't think it's going to review well. I, I think it's going to get hit hard for being janky. Uh, I don't think it'll sell well. I don't think there's a big interest behind it. There's not a big name behind it. Inafune is not a big name anymore. Uh, it, when you say from the makers of Metroid Prime, it doesn't carry over those things we love from Metroid Prime, so I don't see how that really translates. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to have a real tough time. Daniel Bloodworth. I think I'll go with Cut. Okay. Um, I actually do see the Metroid Prime bits in it. I don't think I'd heard that. Off, or maybe I'd forgotten it. But yeah, from when I played the demo, there def- I definitely saw some of those Metroid elements. What do you see? Uh, there's the bot that has you like slide up the walls and stuff. This is very much like the spider ball in Metroid Prime. Mm-hmm. And then just the things. whole uh, switching color mechanic is very much like switching beams in Metroid Prime as well. Um when you're shooting enemies, and, and the way that you lock on to enemies and strafe around them. Z-target. When you finished Metroid Prime, you said the best part of that game was switching my weapons with the I'm C-stick. not saying that that's what I... But I'm saying that I see those influences. All right. Those, those parts of the game are in there for sure. Yeah. Um, Samus, really good skinny woman at jumping. Yeah. So we're clear. <laughs> what about her brother? Maximus, no, also no, really no, good no. at jumping. Oh, gosh. Um... So yeah, I I think uh, I mean I think it may struggle on some of those points, but I I think that uh, yeah I I I think that there's not I think it fills this niche in in the shooter space that like not a lot of games are are hitting right now, and I think that'll make it stand out. I'm gonna go with with no cut, and uh, it has nothing to do with the quality of the game. Like I'm just I'm just kind of throwing that out the window at the moment because I I don't. It's in chief. You can't. Yeah. Well, there, yeah, exactly. There's that. The other thing is, I, I don't think, I don't, I don't think, I don't get the sense that the internet at large understands what that game is. Yeah, um, mm. I don't think I have no done idea. It. I, I don't think, like, that on top of like, if you if you ask the average person what Recore is, they're gonna say from the makers of Metroid Prime, they're gonna say like Kijin. I don't think there's like a good clear understanding of this is what makes this game cool and this is why you should play it. And I think that's really gonna hurt it. Um, and, and I think if it is coming out this year, it might come out at a time where it just gets swallowed by everything else. Um, and I think, unfortunately, I think those types of games don't do well with reviewers anyway. Like, I don't think platform, 3D platformer, exploring games, like, unless they're, extru- if they're like, unless they're, like, best in class, uh, you do get things like janky or imprecise or it feels old or just something. Um, and so I don't think it's necessarily really going to uh, review really well. Uh, it's time to move on to emails. Fun game, though. I like that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thank you. I thank you. Um, no Last Guardian in there, Ben. I did have Last Guardian in the list. Cut. 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 So, yeah, okay, let's just do that. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think we're all cut. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I think that tells you a lot right there. Yeah. If we're all cutting it, yeah. Uh, Last Guardian was on the list, but I cut it because we, we had to move on. But thank you for that. Um... So we have a call for emails, and uh, a lot of them are really good this week. The, the one thing that I want to say to people that are writing in, uh, just just a quick tip, and it, I'm not I'm not insulting you. I'm not saying like it's necessarily like a bad question on its own, but we get a lot of like, "What is your favorite X?" And I try to avoid those because um, I, you know, I want I want something that's like out of left field, or it's like you're you're really bringing something to the table here that, that's going to spark conversation. So you know, as much as I appreciate you wanting to get to know more about us and our favorite games, or our favorite movies, or our favorite music. Uh, try to avoid the what is your favorite X sort of format for questions. Uh, our first one comes in from Joseph Appleyard, hmm. um, and he asks, 
EA Access is going to add Unravel, Need for Speed, and Plants vs. Zombies 2 to their vault. Garden this Warfare 2? Yes. Okay. Garden uh, Warfare 2 or, or just Plants? Or, no, I th- he just says P- Plants vs. Zombie 2. He does not say Garden Warfare game. I think it's Garden Warfare, though. Okay. Let's double yes. check. Okay. I'm I, on it. I'm just reading the email. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. Uh, the, the, but what he's getting at is this means members will be able to, to download these games and have full access to the game. Uh, I should point out that EA Access or Origin Access, if you're on PC, is $4.99 a month. Uh, we'll be able to download these games and have full access to them. That will give uh, The Vault on Xbox One 24 titles to play in full and The Vault on Origin 30 games to play. Is EA Access becoming one of the mo- best consumer services out there? Would you like to see other publishers do the same with their games library? Could this be a peek into the future of how games are distributed? So there's a lot there, but I think that the big thing to tackle is, is EA Access cooler than we thought it was? It is Garden Warfare 2. Cool. Hmm. Um, I've always had... I, I, at first, I thought it was the dumbest idea, but I see consistently people, humans, uh, defending it in comment sections across the internet. And so it's made me appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, regular people just saying, actually, I, I have it and it's great. And so that's like enough. <laughs> you, you don't see that very often. Somebody yeah. saying, I got this thing, I pay for it every month and I love it. That's a rare thing to see. And so that's pretty cool to me. Especially uh, too, if you get like access to Battlefield 1 early right. i think there's some tie-in where you get like beta access you get or... it a week early yeah you get it a week early uh, one? they uh, change they change how many days in particular and how long yeah. you get to play but yeah usually it's like a week early yeah that is crazy so like that is that is the extra perk that kind of sets it apart from a playstation plus or something it's yeah cool. i like that a lot yeah, I, when I saw the unravel, that was kind of like this, like, hmm. That was the first time I was like, maybe I should jump into this. Yeah. I haven't played unravel yet. And, I mean, yeah. So yeah. you actually can, you might do it. Uh, yeah, I might. I mean, I'll, I'll think about it. We'll, we'll see if there's some more that pop in there that I'm like, I really, because the, the thing is, is it's, it's tricky because when you get PlayStation Plus or Xbox One, and this is kind of, this is kind of becoming less the case. But it used to be um, that a lot of the times those free games would be brand new games, uh, and EA Access it feels like it's it's always the stuff like okay well this isn't selling anymore let's you know let's try to sell EA Access with this game uh, since uh, we're not going to make any more money off of it anyways. Uh, so they're always pretty much older games even if it's just you know five or six months old like Unravel and Garden Warfare Two. Need for Speed is one year old. Like that's a good oh. deal. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. And Plants vs. Zombies: Garden Warfare 2 is not this even year. a year old. Yeah. It is still thriving. Um, yeah, it's had a big update. Great game. Our next and unfortunately final email. Uh, I will I will rectify this in the next episode of Frame Trap. I, I know I've cut the email section short a few times, and so I'll, I'll I'll try to make it longer in the next one. We'll get through a bunch of them. But uh, I really like this question. This is a good one to end on. This is from Brian, Brian Cos. He says, uh, Hello, allies. Something I've noticed in discussions online, particularly for media outlets, is the notion that some styles of games are dated and not worth exploring any further. One example is card combat. When people bring up games mm-hmm. like Twisted Metal, it's almost jokingly, as in, yeah, you used to think it was a good idea, but in 2016, we've moved past it. Mm-hmm. As someone who grew up loving car combat games, the genre is pretty much dead at this point, though Carmageddon just dropped and it's pretty refreshing. While I don't expect everyone to be stoked on games like Twisted Metal, Carmageddon, and Destruction Derby, I think the idea that cars blowing up other cars just isn't fun is, well, incorrect. Uh, so he's saying <laughs> that, like, <laughs> yeah. just shitting on an idea just because it was popular a long time ago doesn't... It, it aggravates him. I, I'm oversimplifying what he's saying, but... Uh, so I feel like genres go through ups and downs, and mm-hmm. we're just kind of in the down period right now of car combat, 
and Carmageddon, Carmageddon just came out, and Road yeah. Rage is coming out, so maybe we'll be seeing a kind of a resurgence. But yeah. for now, the car combat itch for me is scratched by Mario Kart. I know it's not car combat technically, but I'm in a cart and I'm shooting other carts with weapons, so it's kind of like a cousin to the genre. I would say I don't know. It's it's sure. similar. And you're speaking for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would love another Diddy Kong Racing. Mm-hmm. Or uh, an extreme G, mm. or something even like Burnout, just with a bunch of weapons. Oh yeah, like, yeah, Burnout. There's some of these dormant franchises that need to come back, and uh, I don't know. I think Twisted Metal hurt the genre. I think that game had a lot of expectations on it. It was a big budget, backed by Sony, car combat game from Jaffe, creator of the original, and it kind of flopped. Yeah, and because it, so, it like didn't yeah. work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No yeah what, what, there were some server issues. Is that what? Yeah, what like, you're referencing? like people couldn't mm-hmm. play matches online. Yeah, Despite absolutely. that, like just as a single player game, it still is a stinker. Sure, absolutely. I don't know. I enjoyed it, and I hadn't played the earlier ones. But Yo, Nintendo, there's a little game called F Zero that would be great on the NX. That's not a car combat game, though. Not really. It has some light elements of combat. Light element. I'll take light. <laughs> I'll take them. But it doesn't have weapons. You like literally have to bash into people. Need for Speed with weapons, Bloodworth. What do you think? Could yes. they do it? Heck yes. That would be awesome. They, they can't because it's a license. They've Still, we're seeing spend so more... much money. They get so much money from the manufacturers. Or we're seeing more destruction of real world cars, though, as time has gone on. Back in the Gran Turismo 3 days, it was unheard of, and now these cars are coming apart. Let's mm-hmm. do it. It would be a great turning point for the franchise and fill a void. Let's bring it to, like, Kia. Let's bring it to car <laughs> models that never get into games. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And you get to play as the weird guinea pig. Kia Destruction! Um, <laughs> uh, what I think, though, is that car combat is a silly genre, which is... It, it's a genre that you need a budget for. And so it's really hard... Like, if you look at big-budget games, so few of them are silly. So few of them are, like, willing to be silly. Uh just like if you look at the big budget games coming out this year mm-hmm. uh i don't well maybe like dead rising that's pretty cool yeah uh so sure. yeah it's just you need a big budget behind it it's hard to do it correctly independently as we see with carmageddon max damage which i think has some cool stuff in it we played it just this week yeah. it's a cool game but just is hard to do right with with what you have yeah uh, well and i think too in, in terms of going back to twisted metal like i think mechanically there were a lot of cool things in there and i like mm-hmm. some of the the maps and stuff it was good but it it, it did really lean too heavily, and I think Carmageddon is the same way. They lean too heavily on their legacy, so it feels like a dated game. It mm. feels like a 90s sure. game in I hear you. You know, what, I coming out hear you. right now, because it's like, what, like, this is just not what people are into right now, like, in terms of the, the tone and, and everything of the stage. You know, if, if, if Twisted Metal had uh, evolved in the same way that, like... Uh, Mad Max had evolved, you know, like then that would be something else. Oh my God. To where like, it felt like it was still part of that world, but it felt current. You said the perfect words right there. Yeah. Yeah. Mad, Mad, Mad Max has car combat, but it's terrible. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with what you were saying. The only, the only, uh, the only point I wanted to bring up to it is the dead rising and the silliness. Yeah. I feel like that, that rule doesn't apply when something is in vogue. So, so zombies around the time of the original Dead Rising were really coming into popularity, and I think I think you can get away with different tones if like your hook is is big. You know, it's easier yeah. to sell to people. 
Man, speaking of zombies, you know, zombies encroaching on Resident Evil's legacy. Now Resident Evil's going to ghosts. Hypes me up. Hypes me up! It hypes Sorry. me up, too. No, you're fine. Uh, unfortunately, that is going to do it for us on this episode of Phantom Trap. Thank you to the excellent panel. Thank some you for good, having us. Yeah, some good conversations. I know I'm, I'm shortchanging you guys. I know that this episode and the last episode were... Way shorter than they normally are. Uh, that's due to external circumstances, which will not only be oh, not always be the case. Three hours so, next time. We'll we'll try to do what we can. I'm not making that promise, but uh, <laughs> I am aware. Might be a good podcast, though. <laughs> yeah, I am aware that is an issue. It will not always be this way. I promise. Please bear with me. Uh, we will have longer podcasts in the email section. We won't always get the the short shrift, but. Thank you all so much for watching. If you want more of us, uh, go to easyallies.com. From there, you can access our Patreon, our Twitch page, our YouTube, all of that good stuff. Um, And yeah, see you next time.